You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. We preserve the history and sport of hunting through curious conversation and action-packed hunts, as well as offering you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. This is episode number one. 18, I, I named it wrong when I was uh, when I was putting it on this episode, but it's fine. 118, and I am joined by uh, Hunter Williamson, a.k.a. Hunter 50. What's up, dude? How's it going, man? I'm, I'm doing fantastic. I'm sure Hunter. you're doing fantastic, too. Are you finally back in Memphis? Yeah, uh, was gone for like 10 days, something crazy. Just had, like I hadn't slept on my bed in almost two weeks. Did you sleep on the ground? Uh, we slept on... Pretty much just like pretty much a version between like a cot and a mattress. Okay. For like six or seven days. Beautiful. Well, yeah. For anyone that doesn't know Hunter, you've seen him in some of our YouTube videos. You're in a lot of our YouTube videos, especially from the last season. And but first time on the podcast. Yeah. And one of the reasons we wanted to get you on is because you just had a very interesting hunt up yeah. in Idaho black bear hunt so everybody that usually comes to the podcast wants to hear about like whitetail hunting so this episode is very off the wall so if yeah. you guys don't like bear hunting move on but i'm sure you're gonna enjoy it yeah i Dude. mean i got some stories about whitetail hunting but nothing like that black bear <laughs> nothing like a bear when when did you and your dad decide to to do the the idaho black bear how did you guys even stumble upon that so it seems like kind of off the wall so he's wanted to hunt western a long time i mean with his experience in alaska hunting black bear and grizzly he had never he had never shot one himself. He had, you know, kind of had to back up other people. Yeah. And so he was like, you know, I've never gotten to shoot a bear. And he's starting to get to the age where, you know, I don't really want to have him hiking a bunch. Like he's still, I mean, he's still in great shape. Like he weighs less than I do, but you know, it's, I just, I didn't know how many years that he was going to be able to do this. And so, you know, me being able to do this with him was great. Um, one of our contacts for one of the, some of the guided hunts he goes on in Texas has a really good contact in Idaho and he was like, Hey, you know, they, you know, they just absolutely find them. They find them regardless of the conditions. And obviously we saw that cause how bad the forest fires were up there. Yeah. But so when did you guys decide like, Hey, we're hundred percent going to do this. It was like midsummer, right? Yeah. He, I saw him for Memorial day. I went down to Houston and saw him for about four days and he was like, oh, I'm thinking about hunting a black bear. And I was like, well, if you do, you know, I want to come out and get to do that with you. And so right after Memorial Day, he booked it and told me the dates that we were going and got after it. So you you weaseled your way in there with a little father-son action, like, oh, Dad, I just want to go with you. I wish you'd just take me. <laughs> yeah, dude. Every I swear that every time him and I end up getting to hunt together, it's always public land. Like, it's never, any, it's never like high fence. It's always just public land grind. And it it always gets the joke because you know megan my sister gets to go on these you know super exotic fun hunts like got to go to australia and kill stags but i got to you know go hike eight miles a day and go chase after bears and elk with him hey what's funny is so we just released a video on our youtube channel that public land buck from last year mm -hmm. and it was hilarious because i thought about that we were all hunting public land like all october last year yep. and we went down in the first week of november and your dad's just like I'm going to come and like you, we invited him and he came, showed up, shoots a deer. What was it like first? First day? sit. Yeah. Like so he's got sad. the horseshoe. Oh man. Like saw, had an eight point 
trailing a doe and then had, you know, the little fork and horn that he shot right after that. It's just, you know, 10 minutes after him. He's a, he's a public land monster. He is, man. He's killed a lot of deer on a lot of places in a lot of states. So you guys went to Idaho and you, you guys went the public land route. So that it's an outfitter that outfits on public. Yeah, all public out there. Oh my, was there no private outfitters or is that just how everybody does it out there? That's just how everybody does it out there. I mean, you're 20 miles in off the blacktops. I mean, you know, from blacktop to where we hunted is about an hour and 15 minutes. Of just driving. To get in there. Oh yeah. Just to get in there. So talk me through the beginning of the hunt. Obviously you guys went with rifles. What, what did you end up bringing? Like uh, you bring a 300? Of course. Like I, I have a TC Encore that's got a VX5 HD on the top of it that shoots, I mean, of course, 300 Win Mag, uh, six hour elite hunters, 180 grains, one of the best bullets out there. Big fan. And so we decided to bring those. Um, I mean, I think that's one of the better all around big game rifle rounds. And flew into Missoula on Labor Day, stayed one night in Missoula, and then drove up on Tuesday and came back down the next Monday. So, what? How did it work? Like getting back into the backcountry? Did you guys have to drive a long ways and then get out from there, or did you like, hey, this is the the trailhead? Let's let's get to walking. How'd yeah, you guys like get they in have. There? So you have to drive pretty much all the way in there, and then they have a base camp that you you know get to station yourself at from, and then. You know, you kind of have some trailheads you can drive to, but there's a lot of them that, you know, you have to hike into. Were you guys doing wall tents? Yep. Oh, so this is one of those kind of hunts. You guys were kind of pampered. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it was really weird because I've never had such a swing in weather. I mean, it was 30, It was a 50-degree swing day-to-day. So it'd be 35 in the mornings and then 85 in the afternoons. And so trying to, you know, trying to bring clothes for that, it's impossible. Man. I really enjoy our public land hunting we do in Oklahoma with the wall tent and stuff. So I can imagine when you're out like that remote, like you're talking about, hour and a half drive from the blacktop, it's probably pretty nice to have a nice shelter. Oh, like, yeah. That's it's that's kind of the minimum you need. Yeah, like I've tried to convince Christian to get these two sleeping bags from, that Browning makes that are negative 30 degree sleeping bags, and I swear by them. And I sent Christian a link last year whenever they went on sale. They're you know, mid $200 sleeping bags and they were on sale for $46. And he, you know, he just didn't me, pull the trigger. Let me defend myself on the sleeping bag thing. Okay. okay. First of all, those sleeping bags, it's like Jesus putting his arms around you and just saying, you'll never be cold, son. They're like, huge. Like, first of all, like they are one and a half people wide. Like people that sleep on their, like people that sleep on their back, like a starfish still have room in that thing. Okay. That's awesome. They're but great. when you sent me the link, $45 sleeping bag, right? Negative 30 degrees. I, I put it in my cart. I'm like, I think it was Midway USA that you sent it to me yep. on. I put it in my cart and it was like 40 something dollars sleeping bag. And the shipping was like 30 something dollars. I was like, okay. So the shipping is just as much as the sleeping bag. And then it sat in my cart for like a little too long. And then when I went back to it, it was like back up to like a hundred and something dollars. It's like, damn, I got yep. it. I didn't get it. Dude, I, dad had two of them whenever we went to Colorado in 2020. And then after that, I was like, okay, I'm buying two more. So now we have four for two people. So, you know, whoever gets to be lucky whenever we go out to Oklahoma always ends up lucky. So you guys used those when you were in Idaho for sure then? Oh, we didn't even take them. That was the worst part. You didn't take them? Oh, because you were flying commercial. Mm-hmm. So did they have those like sleeping bikes of that quality when you guys were in the tent? Uh, I had a 20 degree and I think dad had the same thing. So, I mean, it was still kind of cold, but not, yeah, you know, it's nothing nearly compared to those, those things. So... 
I was talking to Jake Gaylord the other day, and he said, yeah, man, uh, I was telling him how I was going to get that sleeping bag. And you know, I, I sent you the link. I bought that negative 20 degree one. Mm-hmm. And Jake goes, yeah, I got a really good one. You know, I bought one for Colorado a few years back. And he said, I just, you know, it stays pretty warm in there. And I was like, all right, what do you got? So he went back at his Amazon orders and it was a 50 to 60 degree sleeping bag. And I was like, that might not be bad in Oklahoma, but if you go to Nebraska or like places or like you're saying Idaho, you're going to freeze your face off in Nebraska. Dude, I've never been colder in my life the entire night. It's like single digits, 60 degree winds. And at night I'm going, yeah, like you are literally just like praying to see the sun again. Like you're saying though, the swings in the weather temperature in Nebraska, it was like in the mornings it'd be single digits. And then at midday it's 50. Yeah. Like how do you hunt? You can't, you can't hunt for that. Like you can't bring enough clothes for that. You can, you're going to be paying for extra luggage though. It was brutal enough as it was. I bet. Did the airlines hassle you guys at all? Did bring your guns and stuff? Uh, so the guns are never an issue. Like I've flown, I've flown with guns plenty of times. The only hiccup that we had was since like where I shot my bear, I didn't destroy the front shoulders. And so I got to bring both of my front shoulders back, but I, you know, I don't really care for front shoulders. Like I try to pull off as much meat as I can, but front shoulders are kind of just a hassle for me. Like a ton of silver skin, ton of sinew. So we get up to go check our bags in United and they're like, Hey, we don't take anything over a hundred pounds. And so one of the coolers is 136. So what'd you do? uh, I had to sit there in the Missoula airport at about five o'clock in the morning with about 45 people waiting and pull two of these front shoulders out, walk them outside and then find somewhere that I could, you know, go put them in a garbage can. Oh my and so god! I, and so I walk back in, and at, you know, after digging through these garbage bags, like my, you know, pretty much from elbow down is just covered in blood, and I'm just sweating because I'm like digging through these, and it's hot inside the airport, and I'm like, man, I just, I just want to wash my hands, and I just want to get on the flight. So that's how you travel with that meat is legit in coolers. Yeah, uh, if if you're gonna fly out somewhere, I would always recommend like you're gonna fly into a normal sized city, go by a decent igloo cooler from Walmart, find a grocery store in town that sells dry ice and, you know, don't fly with, the, don't fly there with the cooler, but just buy it whenever you get there and then fly back with it. That's not a bad idea. Oh, it's solid. Especially with the dry ice. It's going to keep it cold enough for you to get home. And it's a lot lighter. Yeah, that's true. So you guys got in the wall tent day one. You said you got there on Tuesday. Yep. Got there Tuesday. Uh, got to hunt Tuesday afternoon and then just, ran from it you know ran what, from there. what did the hunts look like like waking up break of dawn getting to a glassing point i mean i yeah, saw so, some of the contour you guys ran it would look insane up and yeah down. and so that's why i say like I, like i've hiked a ton of places in my life like i've you know i've lived all over the place just from the air force from my dad and idaho by far has been some of the roughest country that i've had to hike through i mean there's a ton of deadfalls you know all of the shelves and all of the mountains are like 45 degree slopes. They're just, they're just tough. But in the mornings they would actually, you know, you would drive up to the top of the mountain and there was a lot of trails that you would look for bears to cross through. And they had these huckleberry patches that hadn't dried up yet. And so you would look for bears there in the morning. But you know, this was my first experience with guys that ran dogs, which we never did. You know, we never got the tree of bear, never put hounds on dogs, but they would go ride and, wait for hounds to strike, you know, a scent where a bear would cross the road and, you know, they would get out, look for tracks and, 
you know, kind of see how big that bear was and if it was something worthwhile for them to chase after. So that's what we did most of the mornings. Was just like letting dogs run around? Yeah. I mean, like you, like you just ride with them in the back of the truck. And I think we only did that two out of five days or two out of six days. Um, yeah, you just, you're dry, you're literally driving along a dirt road and you wait for them to strike. And you'll, I mean, you'll know like those dogs, those hounds just bark like none other. Did and, you strike any up? Yeah, they did. They, they hit on a couple. Um, they had, I think we had three pairs of a sow with cubs and I mean, pretty good size sow, but you're still, you don't, you just don't really want to chase after a sow with cubs. Just not really the best idea for obvious so, reasons. Yeah. For obvious reasons. <laughs> Um, and so we just, you know, just decided it wasn't going to be a good idea and, you know, hoofed it back down. Mm. How do you feel about shooting an animal that's treed? Like, I feel like it's really easy as a West coast or an East coaster to be like, no, that's stupid or you shouldn't do that. But it's like, when I watch those cougar hunts and stuff, especially like the meat eater hunts, it's like, how are you going to kill one if you don't? Dude, they like, so cougars is different. Like mountain lions and cougars is different too, because cats have horrible lungs compared to bears. So that, that cat's not going to run very far. That bear will run forever unless you get dogs like up close to it that are going to like corner it. That makes so, sense. Like make it tree. But even then, you know, I was talking to the guys that they had out there and he was like, yeah, dude, we've treated plenty of bears. And 99% of the time, you know, whatever you shoot them out of the tree, they hit the ground and they're still very, very much alive with a ton of fight left in them. No, thank you. Yeah. And I'm like, that <laughs> does not sound like fun. <laughs> I'm all right. Oh, it hits the ground. And you can imagine how pissed off it would be if it was still alive. It's like, now I see you, motherfucker. Yeah. I thought it, like, it was really cool to watch some of the videos that they had of like bears scaling trees because they do it unbelievably fast. It's like watching yeah. a squirrel. But outside of that, not really something, you know, I would like to be, like to be standing on the ground for. Yeah. I'll do it for a mountain lion. I, yeah, I, would. I would too. I've seen people shoot those out of trees with their bow and it's freaking awesome. Yeah. I mean, but so you guys did some of that. What, at what point was it when uh, you like started glassing them up and actually got to go on your first stock or whatever? So we hunted the first night and then there was two of the guides that wanted to go hike and hunt this next ridge over. And it was, so it was through a valley across four rivers and it was essentially an area that had no roads to it, no access to it unless you wanted to hike into it. And so it was about four miles in just to go get to one of the glassing spots that they wanted to go to. So that was the first one that we got to do. I mean, it's about a two and a half hour walk in and a two and a half hour walk out. And so we got to do that on Wednesday morning, which was really cool. I mean, that's, I've, I've sent Christian a couple pictures from the area up there and it's just, it's, it's crazy. So you just sat up there and glassed like for a good part of the day. Yeah. For about six hours. Do like, you guys, whenever, do you like that? Yeah. I, I love hunting like that. I mean, it's just, it's cool to, think about like, you know, when was the last time that you think somebody was standing in the same spot as you? That's a good point. I mean, when I'm like, I'm in, I'm in snowmass right now. So right outside of Aspen, but it's just like, even taking a step out the front door, I can see miles, miles. and miles and miles. And it's like, man, when you're deer hunting a lot of the time, especially where we hunt in the mountains for deer, it's like, dude, you can't see 50 yards. Oh, yeah. So how you like being able to see miles? It just, it makes me feel like I can see, like I have so much more opportunity Oh yeah, dude. Like even like you're trying to, you're trying to glass 360 around you and you can't, you can't even stare at a hillside for long enough to be able to see everything there. So did you, uh, do you guys bring your own spotting scopes and stuff? Yeah. Uh, I think 
we had a Redfield one that one of the guides wasn't using, and so I borrowed his. And so I had a set of, I had a set of sticks that we went up with from there. And then I have I have a set of Alpen ten by forty twos or ten by fifties binoculars that I love. I actually prefer those over my Vortex ones. Mm. Oddly enough, hot take. Hot take. So did you end up glassing up any bears on your own, or did no. the guide the guide no, get we, you guys? We never didn't even see an animal that day. Like we thought it was going to be you know, at least catch a couple, like a lone bull or two, you know, pre-rut, you know, catch a mule deer, catch a bear or something, something crossing, something traveling, and never did. Is is that kind of like discouraging when you get out there and you're like, man, I can see miles in each direction and I don't see a soul, not a rabbit, not a, not a bear, <laughs> not, a not a deer, not an elk? It is because, I mean, you know, the next ridge that you're going to be able to hike over, it's going to take you another three hours to get there. And that's horribly horribly hard country to get through so i mean you have four feet of deadfalls that you have to climb over everywhere you want to go mm. what part of idaho were you guys in uh so we did lolo pass and then went west from there along the lockshaw river and then north into the mountains okay. and so you essentially take you go from missoula and head southwest and you're about two hours to the turn point to get up in the mountains so you guys didn't see anything on Wednesday. What, when did you finally get into them for the first time? Uh, I think dad saw his first one. I think dad saw his first and only one on Thursday. And that was the only bear that he saw, you know, everybody else that we're talking to is like, man, you know, you just got to wait it out. You know, we're seeing, you know, we're seeing a, do a half dozen bears a sit. And, and him and I are looking at each other like we haven't seen a single one. And was so there he, other hunters in camp and stuff? There was three guys that left a day after, you know, they stayed until Wednesday morning. And there was a guy that was there that had shot his bear the day before we got there. And he stayed for the entire week just because he wanted to stay. And then the day before we left, we had two elk hunters come in that were bow hunting. But you hadn't even seen an elk out there. We'd had, we had had one bugle at us. The... Sorry, I gotta grab some water. Um, <coughs> we had had one bugle at us on Tuesday whenever we went and hiked, but outside of that, not really. I mean, we just really had not seen anything. Like I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen an animal move at all. Like I hadn't seen a single animal at all. Man, yeah, that would. That would worry me, especially I feel like it puts you in this certain mindset when you go on a guided hunt. Like I've been on a few, especially for, uh, for whitetail. Like I've been, I've been on for ducks and geese and then for whitetail. And it's like, when I go on a guided hunt for whitetail, I kind of get on that scarcity mindset of like, okay, the first thing I see that's legal, I need to shoot because it's like, I paid all this money. I went all this way. I took this time off. And it's like, I don't like being in that mindset. And if I was out there and I wasn't seeing animals like, and everyone else like, Oh, I'm seeing half a dozen or something that would, that would put me in a bad headspace. Oh yeah. And it was, I definitely got to that headspace. Cause I was, I think I had the night that I shot my bear. I think we had one more day to hunt after that. And that was it. <laughs> so were, were you with your dad when, when he shot his bear? No, we were, we were hunting different sections and I actually shot my bear at the same spot that he shot his two days later. Okay. 
so what was the story on his bear? How how far of a shot? What did he did he find it from like miles away and have to stock up on it, or was it just pretty close to him? No, we had a we had a section lower down the mountain. It was about a forty five minute drive just to get to it, and it was just where two ridges met. There was a little saddle that a lot of bears just love to cross, and so you would catch them for a couple of minutes, and you know you would get some consistency, but you're always getting traveling bears. Mm-hmm. And so that's what both of his, both of ours were. Was on that one saddle. Mm-hmm. So were you guys sitting there just waiting for him to come through because you knew this is a crossing, or do you wait till you see one and then kind of move closer? Yeah, you're just waiting, you know, hoping that one's going to cross right there. And you shot yours. You texted me. Well, first of all, you just sent me this blatant picture of a bear sprawled out, like just dead from behind. I was like, oh, okay. Couldn't even pose with it. But <laughs> anyways, you said you shot yours at 93 yards. Did yeah. you wait for it to get that close or did it just pop up on you? Uh, so he he came up and got to the top of the saddle, and that's exactly where 93 yards was. And there was a stump right there and like a little section of bait that had been used before. And so I was trying to judge how big he was. And so that's why, like, I have two pictures of him that are, like, 10 minutes apart through the, uh, through the scope just because I was trying to judge how big he is because it's not like, you know, it's not like deer where you can have very, very typical body signs. Like, pretty much one of the only things that I judged him on was where his ears were on his head. And does that help you tell the width of his entire head? Yeah, so as they get bigger, their ears go from looking like a German Shepherd's ears where they're like on top of their head, and they yeah. start getting more circular, less pointy, and they start going like further and further out on their head. So his are his are like at a 45-degree angle on his head. And that tells you what, like age or size? Old, yeah, older, bigger. How, like what's a, what's a juvie bear, and how big is like the one that you said that you shot? Uh, juvie bears, I think around two, two and a half. So, you know, kind of same, same for deer. An adult, like a mature adult, I think is four and a half or five. Or five. And so the guy that checked my bear in said that he would probably put him at about seven or eight. Seven or eight years old? Mm-hmm. So he was old. And, and it weighed what? Uh, he had not an ounce of fat on him. I think he was right over 300. So... Are those bears bigger in the spring? Smaller in the spring because you're coming out of hibernation, and the first thing that they want to do is find green grass so they go to the bathroom, and then they're just looking for anything that they can eat. You're just trying to put as many calories on it as you can. Why do you think a mature bear like that doesn't weigh, only weighs 300, like no fat? Is it the terrain? I think it's the terrain. I don't think that terrain lets them get big. You know, if you're having to climb mountains every day, you know, being a 500-pound bear is not really feasible. Well, I compare that to kind of some of the deer that we hunt too in Oklahoma. It's like we go to Southwest Oklahoma, you know, where a lot of, you know, there's mountains, but the majority of it's flat. Right. And you see a deer that weighs 250 pounds and you're like, oh, you know, it's, that's a big that's deer. A, that's, they, that's a good sized deer. They can get that big. You shoot a deer down in public in the mountains in Oklahoma, uh, on the other side of the state. And it's like, dude, if that deer weighs 140 pounds, gutted, that's a big deer. Yeah. Like they're even, just, the, their know, bodies seeing, aren't very big. Like seeing a deer 200 on the hoof is like, wow, that's, that's a really good sized deer. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I mean, if you were going to do the bear thing again, would you do it in that kind of terrain or would you go a little flatter? I, I loved it. I thought it was really, really cool. Um, I think it's just a really cool environment. Cause I mean, you have so much tree, like so many trees there and such a vast landscape that 
you just know that it's, you know, it's, it's hard to hunt. And that's what I liked about it. I'm sure that's very rewarding. I mean, I'm trying to think. I'm supposed to go do a bear hunt in um, Saskatchewan next year. And now I'm thinking about it and it's like this company that I'm going to go, I was going to go with, um, I paid a deposit in like 2019 to go on this hunt. Well, COVID. I remember that. Yeah. So now what they're trying to do is, well, their operation, they, it's black bear, you know, and they'll have color phases. So they'll have like cinnamons and different stuff like that, but it's almost exclusively over bait. And it's like, I I'm, I'm at the point now, I don't know if I want to shoot a bear over bait. You know, you shoot so many deer over corn piles. It's like, do I want to shoot a bear over bait? And I'm telling you, like, it's, it's so different because like, I thought that I thought the same thing. And like a lot of the spots that we hunted was over bait. Like the bear that I killed, you know, was at a bait spot, but it was still like a traveling section. Yeah. And it was just kind of crazy, you know, that you can still have this much bait out. Like I think they had 30 different spots that they could hunt out of and you're still not even seeing that many bears. And you know that there is, you know, that's a two, that's a two per season. So two in the spring and two in the fall unit. Well, so you know how that just shows you how many bears are there and you're still not even, you know, you're still not even seeing that many. Well, this place that, um, so you fly into Saskatchewan and you drive two hours North up and up into the, I guess just North of it. But they were telling me that, um, like these bait piles are like 25 or 30 yards. Cause I wanted to shoot one with my bow Oh, and uh, you can't hunt in the mornings because the bears are obviously, they come in at night and they're at the bait and you know, you can't get in there in the mornings without risking it. But the video I've seen of this, it's like bear stumbles in, you know, you can't see very much of there. There's so many, t- so many trees, but they said, uh, the bear stumbles in 20, 30 yards. You shoot it obviously easier said than done. Right. Right. But you're not getting that glassing that that hiking that camping out in the in the middle of nowhere you're not getting that kind of experience and you're not learning much you know like it's one thing me and jake talked about the other day was when you're shooting deer over corn it's awesome and it's fun but you're not learning much you know what i mean i feel like when you like the way you guys got to do it go out glass hike dogs like you're learning new things every single day and I, i like that yeah, like the dog, like that's the first time I've ever even been around dogs to hunt in general. And so that was really, really interesting to see that. Yeah. You know, cause it's, it's very quickly getting weeded out. Well, you can probably, uh, <clears throat> out of country when you have dogs, right? Like you're driving these roads and knocking pieces off. I mean, yeah, but like it's, it, I mean, it's like going through, I mean, like how much, ac- you know, how much access going through where? <laughs> um, it's like, I mean, it's like hunting almost any section of public. Like, you know, how much access do you actually have to the land from the roads? In the stuff that you're talking about, probably not a lot. No, not a lot at all. Yeah. Would you do it again? Uh, I don't think I would ever shoot a bear again. I think that was a one and done animal for me. Why is that? Does it feel too, feel too much like a dog or something? Um. No, I mean, it's like, I still want to go out and I still want to go out and experience more. So it was kind of just like a, more of a bucket list animal for me. You know, like I still love, I still loved it and I loved doing it. But you know, if I did, if I was going to go out and hunt West again, I was going to go hunt an antelope or I was going to go hunt an elk. What do you think the difference is in your mind of hunting like an ungulate, like something with hooves 
like a deer or an elk, something like that, versus a predator. Like a bear's, it's a, a little bit different. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's definitely different because you know walking you know walking out of Southwest Oklahoma, you know walking back to the truck, like you have not a single worry in your mind. Like there is nothing that scares you out there. Yeah. As soon as it gets dark out there, like I have a three hundred wind mag sitting in my hands with three and like you know three in the mag and then another one extra on my hip. And it's still terrifying. You know, of like what you could like be you just, out there. Oh yeah, like you just always feel like something's like watching, you know, looking at you from around the corner, you know, like watching you whenever you're walking away. I think it's just such an aspect of like you still feel like you have to watch your back and you still feel like you're having to hunt something rather than just chase it down. See, that's the thing is because it's so that's probably such a primitive feeling because when you're hunting deer, you're not worrying about a deer ramming you in the middle of the night with its horns, you know exactly. what I mean? But as like a bear or a coyote and like you're hunting in Idaho, like there's wolves, there's all kinds of other stuff that could, that could get you. And yeah, like they were I think that's how bad, how bad like fun. the grizzly problem, dude, how bad the grizzly problem is, has gotten up there is crazy. Do you see any grizzlies? Sadly, no. I mean, we really didn't stick around long enough. Um, Montana has a crazy, crazy grizzly population, but there's no season for them. That's terrifying. There'll be a season for them. If I run into one at like, 10 yards ah dude i'm fine not not ever seeing one within 500 yards of me that's what uh, i was talking to my mother-in-law about that uh she was like would you mount a black bear you know like a like would you uh like full body mount one and i was like no because it's gonna be like five foot tall or something you know if i killed a grizzly and i could look look four foot up at it yeah that's when i'd probably consider mounting it but i mean a black bear even a three or four hundred pound black bear, it's not going to be eight feet tall, right? Yeah, because I mean the one the the one that we shot. I mean you're hanging him from like the same hitch uh, from like the same hitch hanger that we have. Uh, so he's you know probably seven eight feet off the ground, and his nose is still pretty close to touching. You know, hanging full full body length. So I mean he's pretty. They're pretty big bears, but I mean they're they're nothing compared to a grizzly. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. So. Enjoyed your your Idaho bear hunt. Yeah, had a good time. Loved it. But it's going to be a once a one and done kind of thing for the black bear. Yeah, I think so. Um, I would probably go like I would go up to Alaska and hunt one. But I don't think I would western hunt one again. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, me and me and Jake have been kicking around the idea of getting a little western next year with the bows, and mm-hmm. I don't know if that means like elk or muley. I really want to get a muley. But right. I had a bad experience in Nebraska with trying to hunt mule deer. Um, dude, North Dakota is was on is on my list now. The Badlands really? for muley. Oh man, you in? Yeah, um, I have a buddy up in like very very northern north central Montana mm-hmm. that does some guiding for muleys, and he's been trying to get me to come out for a while. I would definitely go back out to North Dakota to hunt. Loved it up there. Or are we going to we might be going to Montana then. Yeah, we definitely should. Like I've taught, I've kicked around the idea with my dad about trying to get him out with a rifle next year and doing that because it's a draw hunt. Is it a draw hunt for bow? Mm-hmm. How many? Like, do you think we could draw out year one? Oh yeah, high possibility. Okay, as a group. Yeah, I would say probably three out of four. All right, we should put in as individuals and just let God decide. And just you know, who's going to draw those short who's, straw? Who's odd man out? <laughs> Who's filming? <laughs> yeah, who's filming exactly? <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. I'm glad you got to do something Western. I mean, 
I was thinking about it. Just being just out here being in Colorado and then living in Georgetown, Texas, it's like, dude, everything's so flat. And you get oh, out here and you're so like, different. you're like, dude, I just feel alive out here. Like it feels wild. Dude, the you know what like the one thing that I like gathered from this trip was What's that? That I my next like big hunting purchase is gonna be a super, super nice set of boots, like a set of crispies. Really? It's like it's night and day difference. After walking that much, you're just so. What tired. were you using when you were there? Uh, I have a set of Irish setters that I got back in 2015. So I mean, they're you know they're old, they're beat up, they're not as waterproof as they used to be. Yeah. And you know the sole, like the insoles on them are flat pretty much, and so I think it's just time for an upgrade. What do you think is the 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 like lack that you had in those boots while you were there? Is it like ankle support? Is it tread? Or is it all of the above? Uh, yeah, ankle support and tread. I mean, obviously, like I about snapped my, you know, I pretty much did snap my ankle two times while I was out there, you know, on one hike and then had to hunt on it for the rest of the time. So definitely ankle support. Like I probably wouldn't get another set of mids. I'd probably go for highs. Really? Oh, yeah. Mm. What else did you learn? Like, did you learn anything about spotting and stalking? Did you learn anything about glassing the guides? Any any tips that people can take away? Yeah, the one of the big tips that I got from the guides was you know, you really like having a set of like stationary sticks for a spotting scope, especially, and, you know, maybe even binoculars just makes you take so much more time to sit there and glass every hillside. Cause you're just always going to miss something because it's so far away. Mm-hmm. Like just taking, like, you know, taking the time, slowing down, you're going to be out there for a while. You might as well pick apart every hillside. That's interesting because when Jake and I were out in Colorado elk hunting for archery, we, it seems like we would sit down for like 30 minutes, you know, and glass around and people, and we're like both getting antsy. We're like, Oh, we don't see anything. We got to get to the next spot. You know? And it's like, you're not learning much sitting there for 30 minutes. Right. Like you're not even this, you're like, you're not even picking apart what you're seeing. Like you're not even like understanding what you're seeing. Yes. That's so different though, for someone that's used to sitting in a saddle or a tree stand, you know, like it's the same sort of patience, but you, you can get up and move when you see like, okay, target acquired. Right. It's just, it's very, very different. Yeah. I think a lot, I think the, I think it's a very humbling experience because, you know, someone tells like, if someone would have told me like, yeah, man, we're just going to hike 3.8 miles in, but like, oh, dude, you know, we'll crush that out in a little over an hour, maybe. And then it takes you, you know, two and a half times as long as you think it's going to. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, that is, that is a humbling experience. It you really makes you work for it too. What was it like getting the bear out? Was it was that hard? Uh, most of most of my drag for that one was a downhill, and so I'm ecstatic about that. But you know they don't they don't field dress them, which I thought was odd too. Like they don't gut them in the field, just because they don't want to you know they don't want to put that on that same crossing and kind of push everything else off of it. So you know you're dragging out a 300 something pound bear with backpack sticks rifle you know full nine on your back and you're having to you know hold the spare by his ankles and just pull him out just with pure will and determination is not a good time that's one of those that's that type two fun right the the fun that it's fun to uh, look back on when yeah. you're at home but not when you're doing it oh yeah because it was like i was wearing like a medium weight sicka jacket and you know normal pants and boots and you're just sitting there sweating so bad and then you sit still for 30 seconds and you about freeze and then you do it again and it just gets like, it just gets progressively worse every time you keep doing it. What was it like not having, did you have any soul service the entire time you were out there? No, dude. So it got, um, there's a town called Lolo 
that's west of Missoula. It's in Idaho. And that's essentially the base of the mountains. Pretty much as soon as you got west of that town, it was no service. Like it, it just shut off. It was like hitting a wall. Did you enjoy just chilling with everyone, talking, yeah. having good company? Yeah, like I had a, I had a couple flights download or a couple movies downloaded from the flights there, and so I think I you watched. Bum. I think I watched like sitting and eating, like you know, sitting late at night with my dad. Like I think I watched Police Academy with him like a half dozen times. Really? Yeah. But, that like, reminds read, me. You know, I read quite a bit, but. You know, that reminds me of last year when I walked up on you after one of our hunts and you were sitting there watching a movie on your Kindle. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. I had uh that's still on the hunter's advantage Instagram, but this is what, it, this is what it actually happened is like Christian tells me an exact time that he wants to get down and he wants to be out of there. So I get down a half hour after that. Like it, like I don't even start getting down out of my stand until a half hour after that. And I'm breaking, you know, I'm breaking down a stand and then four sticks which is not quick. And True. so it's probably at least an hour after Christian tells me, tells me that he's going to be at my stand so we can go back. And then, you know, I sit down and I like, you know, hammer out some water, eat something. And then, you know, a half hour after that, Christian finally rolls up. I mean, it is, but you obviously had your entertainment, so you weren't too worried about it. Yeah. And, you know, I was, you know, the road section in there was like a little bit dug under from where the field was. And so I was, you know, staying below the silhouette line and always fun. Oh, man. That's fun. You got me pumped up about Montana mule deer now. Now now I want to go. I'm telling you, man. Uh, the guy that I always talk to, he's like, man, you know, as long as you're comfortable shooting like triple digits, we're good. With a bow? Yeah. I'm going to put a Twizzler on there with a broadhead on it. And be like, I'm, I'll shoot. 300 well, yards shoot, without yeah, shoot whatever uh dude, we'll just take like i have a super lightweight arrow setup from last year so we'll just shoot those that's we'll your western setup you'll just shoot miles dude that's your western setup yeah we honestly should plan on that me you i don't know if you have a, if your dad wants to come for archery but me you jake and carol should plan on doing that montana mule that would be sick yeah like i i think it would be great just because you know you have a local that knows it and you already have, you know, a good amount of information coming into it. We need, Drop like, us we need pins. <laughs> There's four the of best. us and one of you. I think that was the biggest joke that I never understood until last year was like, you know, someone like a random person coming up to you and be like, yeah, man, I'm my first time hunting here. Like, can you drop me an Onyx pin for a stand or something? And we had a guy that rolled up in jeans and like an Elmer Fudd hat in the in middle. Idaho? No, last year. In Oklahoma? Uh, yeah, in Oklahoma. Literally rolled up rolled up in jeans, um, like jeans, Doc Martens, and an Elmer Fudd hat. And was like, yeah, man, you know, it's my first time hunting out here. Like, would you guys mind dropping me a pin? And it's like 85 degrees outside. Like, what are you, like, what are you doing out here? <sighs> that frustrates me because I, I went on a draw hunt on the place you're talking about. And this kid came up to me. He's like, "You've been here before," and I'm like, "I had been hunting here for like three, four years at this time." Yeah, and he's like, "The time." Yeah, I'm like, "Yes," and he's like, "Well, man, this is my first time." And I was like, "Well, you know about this hunt for three, four months, like since you got draw out, and you can't make the drive over here one time to scout. You know, you're obviously not taking it that seriously." And he lived close too. The Elmer Fudd guy? No, the guy that you were talking about. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, we uh, that's happened to us many of times, and it's like 
for the most part, I will usually tell someone, like, I won't give them an exact spot. I'm like, this is what I would look for. Right. You know what I mean? I'm teaching you. I'm trying to teach you how to fish, what to look for, not here's a spot. Because not someone could fish. walk in on you on that spot, and then you're going to come and ask me for another. So, Dude. Like, I think I think you get a lot of public stories, like uh, public land stories like that. I still think my favorite one is uh, in North Dakota, where we hunted. Rifle season opened at noon on a Friday. And so my dad rolls out there at like three o'clock in the afternoon with my mom and he has a guy come up to him and he's like, Hey, um, you mind if I ask you what rifle you're shooting? He's like, 30 out six shooting core locks. Why? And he's like, you mind if I bomb a couple rounds off you? And it's like, Oh man, you just leave yours at home. He's like, no, I already, uh, I burned through all 20 of my first box and just want to know <laughs> if you had a couple extra I could use. For what was he hunting for? Muley? My tail. Dude, they would they would push deer drives, and if that deer did not fall right where right where they shot it, they weren't looking for it. On in what universe do you shoot twenty shots and go? You know what? I needed to keep trying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that just shows you that there's different tiers of human beings. Like, there's oh, yeah. a guy that had no shame to walk up and be like, "I've shot twenty shells. May I borrow a few more?" Yeah, twenty shells, like. And that we know about too. That's the worst part. It's like, how many times did he actually shoot? Oh my God. Dude, that's amazing. That makes me so happy to hear that. I mean, it's hilarious if it's not happening to you. Oh yeah. Like looking back on it, it's really funny to think about, but like in the moment, I'm sure it would have been like, can you, can you just please leave? Imagine your dad, he's like about to walk into this area and now he's like, okay, so at least 20 shots have been fired. Yeah. Like, Hey, he's like, Hey, which, like, which direction are you guys hunting? Like that way? He's like, I'm going to go that way. Yeah. Dude, that's so funny. Public land is some amazing stories. Oh, dude, it's it's been fun. It's been crazy. So, for people that want to keep up with Hunter, Hunter, Hunter Williamson, where where do they find you? Where do they follow you? Where do they connect uh, with the, the man, the myth, and the legend? Uh, I'm on Instagram, of course. Uh, I don't post much because I'm a terrible person. It's I true. should. I was about to say, like, I don't think I've posted any of my hunting pictures across like the past four or five years, which is sad. It is. Yeah. Even though Christian's got most of them. So, you know, that's we'll true. See, maybe, maybe we'll see a couple, like a couple throwback pictures on the Hunter's Advantage Instagram, but we'll see. Um, you know, Instagram, of course, Facebook, you can always look me up. Uh, you know, I'm a friendly guy. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you probably see me in a couple of videos this year. I hope so. Yeah. We'll, we'll be down, you know, October and then probably November. So, always be there. That's what I'm talking about. So, we're going to hunt together this year. Hopefully people will get to hear you back on the podcast with some success stories about deer hunting this year. Yeah. That uh, would be fun. Yeah. Finally get to take something down with the prime. Hey, the prime has been fired. She just hasn't ate yet. Uh, I like, I don't know if very many people know this, but I was the one that unofficially influenced Christian into buying a prime. <sighs> That's true. Mm-hmm. It's officially cause there was no one else telling me to do it. Yeah. Like there's, Literally no one else. And I almost, I'm this close to getting Jake Ayers to do it. I think I just need to push him for one more year and I think he'll pull the trigger. Yeah. Yeah, he finally will. If, maybe if we cut his bowstring or something, he'll be like, oh, fine. You know, maybe I'll I do think, it. I think if it sits in the garage for, I think like, I think we pull it back this year after it's been sitting in the hot garage. I think it'll be all right. I, be like I, a I, rubber band. I was about to say, I don't think it'll like, I don't think it'll just come back. I think it'll just like stay loose for a little bit. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, cool. That was fun. We're going to do more podcast episodes with Hunter. So if you guys decided, hey, you like Hunter than, better than everyone else that's on this podcast, usually we're going to have more of him later, but it's not going to be Black Bear. It's going to be for Whitetail. So 
we'll get a uh, we'll get one you know next time i see you we'll get one filmed next time i see you so that's right well hey everybody that's listening make sure to leave us a five-star rating review on apple podcast and spotify go check out our youtube and we'll catch you guys in the next episode Thank you guys so much for checking out the Hunter's Advantage podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you in the next episode.